Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Wednesday, August 2nd, 2023. Scott Ritter joins the show now. Scott, always a pleasure, my dear friend. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. What is the um, state of affairs on the ground in Ukraine between uh, Russian forces and Ukrainian forces? Well, the the good news is you don't have to get my assessment on this one. We have a fresh report from General Sersky, who just reported to General Zaluzhny, and this is a report that comes from uh, Turkish sources who uh, claim to uh, have firsthand knowledge of this. Uh, General Sersky is the on-the-ground commander. Zaluzhny is the commander in the back. You're, uh, talking, about, you're, you're talking about Ukrainian commanders. Correct. And uh, basically, Sersky's report to Zaluzhny is nothing's happened. Nothing's working. We're failing across the board. Uh, we've been beating our heads against this Russian wall. We're getting no results. We're losing everybody. Um, <clears throat> he he criticized the use of cluster munitions. I think uh, I've had this conversation with you where I said, A, they're not going to do anything to the Russians, and B, the Russians are going to hit you back harder with their cluster munitions. And that's exactly what Sersky said, having no impact on the Russians. And the Russians are hitting them twice as hard, killing a lot of guys. Um, he, he criticized certain battles and decisions to continue certain battles, uh, saying that in order to maintain the pressure on the Russians, he's had to uh, deploy his elite forces, his reserves, the last ones he has. And he says they're getting slaughtered. There's there's nothing happening. The bottom line is Ukraine is losing across the board. They're eating up their reserves. Uh, I've said it before. I say it again. Uh, they're, they're on the verge of collapse. And... Um, when they do collapse, that'll be when the Russians achieve one of their major objectives, which is the strategic defeat of the Ukrainian armed forces, the destruction of the Ukrainian armed forces. We're well on our way to that uh, to that happening. Notwithstanding what you've just said, which is a public report from the number one, two, or three uh, general uh, on the battlefield from the Ukraine side, we continue to hear the mantra from Joe Biden, from uh, CIA, from uh, Jake Sullivan, from MI6, even from a couple of leaders in Germany, Putin has lost the war. What do they think they can accomplish with that propaganda? I mean, it's it's self-delusional. Um, 
it's being done to shore up domestic support at home. These are people who are, you know, going around asking their constituents or asking their the representatives of their constituents to continue to pour good money after bad, to double down on stupid. Um, because, you know, Biden saying Putin's lost the war, it's not like Putin's going to be watching TV going, I should have had a V8. I mean, I didn't realize that. Biden, <laughs> thank you, Joe, for telling me I, I've lost the war. Wow, I surrender. It's not going to change anything the Russians are saying or doing. They know the truth. It's not going to impact the Ukrainians. They know the truth. Um, even NATO generals know the truth. This is a political statement made for domestic consumptions so that the ignorant masses that continue to believe that supporting uh, the Ukrainian government uh, is sound policy, they will continue to be unquestioning about their tax dollars or euros going off uh, in support of this failed cause. Here's somebody else who's... Uh been delusional uh, in the past. I'll be anxious to hear what you think about him, uh, General Petraeus. I think they need to be doing what they actually are now doing, um, having adapted their plan. Of course, no plan survives contact with the enemy. And it was quickly clear that these miles long minefields, anti-personnel, anti-tank minefields, uh, tank ditches, dragon's teeth, trench lines full of Russian soldiers all overwatched by forward observers and drones with artillery on call, that these were going to be very, very difficult to breach given the shortcomings that the Ukrainians have in certain assets that we would have deployed in this kind of situation, in particular, massive air power. We would have just carpet bombed the whole uh, area of these minefields, tried to blow up as much as we possibly could. And then very substantial, heavily armed, uh, essentially bulldozers, D9 uh, bulldozers that just plow their way through this, supported again by close air support, attack helicopters, and the rest. They don't have that. So they've adapted, I think, impressively. Where is he, where's, where's he going with this? Uh, again, he lives in fantasy land, Petraeus fantasy land. I think we need to just be straight on the record here, and I hope, General Petraeus, you're listening. You've lied to the American people repeatedly. You testified falsely before the United States Congress about both Iraq and Afghanistan. You put forward... Uh, assessments of the situation that were uh, so so far deviated from the truth that one can't say you made a mistake. You deliberately misled Congress into continuing to support a war in Iraq, continuing to support a war in Afghanistan long after it was clear to everybody we weren't going to win. You're doing the same thing with Ukraine, General. You're lying to the American people, but you're not even being clever in your life. Carpet bombing. When was the last time we carpet bombed anything, General? Really, serious. Come on, when? You know the answer. I know the answer. We used carpet bombing in limited fashion in the Gulf War. How many minefields did we blow up, General? None. Want to know why? We missed the target. Now, I'm not saying we're going to miss the target again, but it doesn't work the way you think it works, General. Uh, the other thing, General, is um, there's a thing called air defense. The U.S. Air Force hasn't gone up against anything that closely resembles what the Russians have put in place in, uh, in the Ukrainian theater. We've never done it. Even in Vietnam, where they shot us down like that. Even in Iraq, where they shot us down like that in the Gulf War. We lost a lot of airplanes, General. You know that. I know that. The Russians will shoot down even more than that. You want a carpet bomb? Let me introduce you to the physics of carpet bombing. You see, carpet bombing requires an airplane to fly over the target in a predictable manner. Where they drop the bombs, carpet fashion. 
that means that the enemy is predicting the flight of the aircraft and they're going to target it with missiles designed to shoot it down. You'll lose your entire Air Force, General. But you know that. You know that what you're saying is stupid. You know what you're saying is a lie. But you're saying it because you're being paid by your mainstream media masters to speak nonsense to the American public because that's what the U.S. government wants. They need you to tell lies to the American people so they don't question why we continue to pour billions of American taxpayer dollars down the drain that is the cesspool that is Ukraine. Late last week, uh, Senator Rand Paul introduced legislation on the floor of the Senate was an amendment to uh, the NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act, to impose and install an inspector general uh, to certify that the equipment we're giving to Iraq and the, to God forgive me, to Ukraine and the money we're giving to Ukraine uh, is uh, reported and being received uh, where we intended it to go. Uh, 22 uh, senators voted in favor, but the balance voted against it. What is the government afraid of? The truth. The government's afraid of um, the American people knowing what the government already knows. That 60 to 70% of the taxpayer dollars that are allocated to Ukraine end up in the pockets of corrupt Ukrainian officials, one way or the other. Um, you know, the vast majority of the money that we send is done in cash, uh, not, not weapons. We give them cash. We, we um, literally ship greenbacks uh, in a cargo plane from Dulles to Kiev. I don't know if we're doing that. We did that. We did that in in Iraq and uh, Afghanistan. Uh, I think with uh, we're a little bit more sophisticated. We can put them in banks now, uh, and then the Ukrainians can 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 use the banks. But the bottom line is that money is in the pockets of corrupt officials, and we know this. We we see the, for instance, these uh, mobilization czars, these uh, these commissars. Uh, they're they're buying. $10 million homes, $20 million homes, 40 million. Where the heck are they getting that money? These are, you know, recruiting officers and they have all this money. Corruption, corruption, corruption. We know it's happening, but we can't admit it because the American people would never tolerate it. And so God bless Rand Paul and the 22 brave senators who voted for him who are doing the right thing, saying, if you're going to take American money out of the pockets of the American people and you're going to send it out to do something overseas, the American people have a right to know what's being done with that money. But the government's afraid to tell them because the government can't admit that we're literally funding the most corrupt nation on the planet. And sort of a corollary to that is, since we know that 60 to 70% of that money is disappearing into the pockets, we know that everything we're doing is doomed to fail. And that's even more frustrating. Uh, and then the final one is the moral question. We're we're we're, we're throwing money into. <laughs> there was a oh, Chris here. <laughs> Anyways, we're we're throwing money down the drain in a cause that's sacrificing the lives of the Ukrainians. Uh, we're going to take a, a break. We'll let Scott deal uh, with the little uh, creature there, the lovable uh, little creature. When we come back, the curious and mysterious case of Gonzalo Lira, right after this. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. 
Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Hi, everyone. Judge Napolitano here, and the verdict is in. Everywhere I go, people are complaining how expensive things are and how their stomachs turn every time they get their IRA statement. Listen, many experts are predicting a recession. When, how, where, how bad, who knows? But why wait and see? Do what I did and learn how adding gold to your portfolio can help. Now, you all know that I am a paid spokesperson for Lear Capital but I believe in Lear Capital. I trust them and I value their products. Lear Capital is the company that I trust for buying my gold. Lear Capital has over 25 years experience and thousands of five-star reviews and a 24-hour risk-free purchase guarantee. Call my friends at Lear today and start protecting your retirement with gold. Here's the number. You see it on the screen. 800 511 4620, 800-511-4620, or use the internet as I do, learjudgenap.com, and get your free gold investment guide and learn how to take control of your financial future. Now, listen to this. My friends at Lear are offering to Judging Freedom customers only a $15,000 bonus in gold. Call today and see if you qualify for it. 800-511-4620 or Judge Knapp, excuse me, Lear, JudgeKnapp.com. Scott, before we get to uh, Gonzalo Lira, I want to uh, play a clip for you from NBC News, my friend Richard Engel, uh, showing uh, the use of uh, Ukrainian drones to inflict pinpricks on Russian banks in Moscow, and then a purported justification of this by President Zelensky, which is translated into English. Watch this. The drones exploded in the heart of Moscow's financial district on Sunday morning around 4 a.m. Russian officials say at least three drones were involved and blamed Ukraine. Russians can no longer turn a blind eye to this war now that it's coming home. Although Ukraine didn't take responsibility, President Zelensky gave what seemed to be the most direct admission of cross-border attacks into Russia yet and suggested a new chapter is beginning. Ukraine is getting stronger. Gradually, the war is returning to Russian territory, its symbolic centers and military bases. And this is an inevitable, natural, and absolutely fair process, he said. This hogwash that the war is returning to Russian territory? Well, I mean, clearly the uh, the drones are impact. I've been to uh, to the Moscow uh, city, that that area that's a, it's a wonderfully modern 
a place that would uh, you know make anybody impressed by the high rise, the modern uh, you know the modern uh, clean aspect of it. It's purely a civilian uh, center. Everybody knows this, and to attack it, um, and here's the rub: uh, is a war crime. I mean, Zelensky is saying it's only natural. No, Zelensky, it's not natural to attack civilian areas for the purpose of inflicting civilian casualties to achieve a political purpose. That is literally the definition of terrorism. So Zelensky is admitting that he is a terrorist. And what's shocking is that nobody in the West is calling him out on it. Uh, you know, when Russia launches a strike against Kiev, and they have on many occasions, on occasion, um, civilian targets are hit. But every time, remember the shopping center, Oh, my God, the Russians hit a shopping center, except then they showed the video of the Ukrainians putting the armored vehicles and the ammunition vehicles into the, the, the receiving area of the shopping center, which makes it a military target. Sometimes a building blows up and the Russians said, we didn't do it. Well, it was the Ukrainian service to air missile that went off course and hit it. The Russians don't deliberately target civilians. On a daily basis, the Ukrainians are targeting Russian civilians. One side is a war criminal uh, terrorist uh, organization. That's Ukrainians. The other side is a nation carrying out the difficult task of war. Can uh, Zelensky reasonably expect more NATO support by these drone pinpricks on Russian banks at four o'clock in the morning? No, no. This is done for uh, domestic political purposes. This is done to um, to raise the spirits of the Ukrainian people, the, and so that they 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 believe that the Russians are paying a price. It's a, what they don't understand is what I understand uh, by having been to Russia. Um, the Russian people aren't a bunch of weaklings. They're not a bunch of cowards. I mean, that lady was crying because she was genuinely shocked. But her cries weren't cries of, oh, my goodness, let's surrender. This is a nation that suffered 27 million dead in the Second World War. They know what it means to sacrifice. They live with that sacrifice and memory of that sacrifice every day of their lives. And they aren't going to bend. This is only going to make them stronger, more determined to see the job done. Can't they shoot the drones down before they reach their targets? Well, that's a million-dollar question. Uh, every every air defense expert in the world is trying to go, what's going on? You know, the drones are slow, low-flying, non-reflective material. It's difficult for radars to get them. What is happening is that the uh, the Russians have deployed these uh, drone guns. I saw them when I was in Moscow. You know, when I was in Moscow on Victory Day, uh, there were 12 drones that attacked Russia that day. They were brought down by the Russians using these these electronic warfare guns, uh, sniper rifles, high-power sniper rifles that are designed to shoot them down. They, they bring most of them down. What happened with these drones in particular is they were flying into Moscow when the electronic warfare uh, guns jammed their signal and the drones basically broke contact and went into an automatic turn uh, that that flew it into the building. Now, basically, by preventing the drone from going deeper into Russia, the the Russians created the circumstances in which it hit the building that it did. Um, you know, this is this is war. Uh, drones are a new aspect of war. It's going to take some time and a lot of money before the Russians put together a layered defenses capable of of stopping all drones from getting into Moscow. And that may be a mission impossible because, like I said, these are Slow-flying, low-flying uh, vehicles made with non-reflective materials. It's very difficult for radars to pick them up. Gary, uh, let's play the uh, State Department clip, the uh, question about Gonzalo Lira. I asked you about Gonzalo Lira. He was the U.S. citizen arrested in Ukraine for posting dissident content online. And you told me the State Department was aware of his arrest in May 
And we learned last night through a series of tweets by him uh, that he had been tortured in the Ukrainian prison and he was now on a motorcycle with a broken rib trying to flee to the Hungarian border. And so I'm wondering, you know, if this is true, given the State Department knew of his arrest and his detention, how has this been allowed to occur? We have a U.S. citizen being arrested, being detained and perhaps tortured in the prison of one of our strongest allies. Well, you you lost me with the perhaps and the if this is true. I think I'd want to verify those reports before I commented on it. Alex, go State ahead. Department Alex, work, go ahead. Is the State Department I, investigating? I, I just want to verify anything before I comment. Go ahead, Alex. Yeah. No, so the State Department doesn't give a damn and pretends it doesn't know. Who is he and why should we know about him? Well, I mean, uh, Gazal Lear is a, a Chilean national who has American citizenship, dual citizen. Uh, he, you know, had a previous career of being a film director, filmmaker, uh, lifestyle coach. Uh, you know, that's his thing. Uh, but when the, the war started, um, he was in, I think, Kiev originally. He got kicked out of Kiev by the Ukrainians. He moved to Kharkov and he started... Um, posting online content using social media platforms that um, were critical of the Ukrainian position. He was calling the Ukrainian government out on its lies, et cetera. And he, he developed quite a large following. He already had a following from his lifestyle uh, coach uh, uh, business, but uh, they carried over and it expanded. And soon he was a, um, he was a well-known online personality on YouTube, on Telegram, on Twitter, who was uh, hosting these roundtable forums. He would bring in people. He brought me in twice uh, to talk with him about these issues. Um, you know, the whole time, uh, people like myself were saying, how can you get away with this? You're in the middle of Kharkov. You know, that's where the Azov Battalion came from. There's a lot of Nazis running around. They're cracking units down there uh, in the middle of war. And uh, you're posting stuff that gets people like me and others on a death list. Um, Gonzalo Lear is on the death list, but he's in Ukraine. Why is he alive? He was arrested by uh, by the SBU, disappeared for a number of days, was released and um, was given back his phone and his computer and allowed to continue to do the same thing, which raised a red flag in some areas. But that's either here nor there. He was rearrested earlier this uh, summer um, and he just uh, he was he was released in July. He claims he has a trial date, which would be today, the 3rd of August. He says that he'll be convicted and go to jail for the rest of his life. Um, and so he was fleeing. Uh, whether you agree with him, disagree with him, whether you believe him or not, here's the crux of the problem. Push all that other side away because it doesn't matter. He's an American citizen. What is the American doing? American government doing to help an American citizen who's been imprisoned by a dictatorial regime for the crime of free speech? Again, you don't have to agree with Gonzalo Lira. You don't have to agree with what he's doing. He is allowed to say what he wants to say. He was arrested by the Ukrainian government. Uh, according to Gonzalo, he was tortured. Um, you know, he has been extorted of money, all these things that are bad. What is the U.S. government doing? Gonzalo claims that on two occasions while he was in prison, uh, a member of the U.S. Embassy showed up and offered support, but nothing more, nothing less. They didn't try to get him released. You know, we we claim to stand for something until it uh, until the Ukrainian government's well, just like with Rand Paul, who claims, uh, you know, the United States government claims that we believe in accountability, that we believe in responsible spending of taxpayers' money. Until Ukraine's involved, then we don't care. We claim to care about free speech, about human rights, and et cetera, especially when it involves American citizens overseas, except with Ukraine. We don't care. And that's the bottom line. Ukraine gets a pass because the United States is willing to sacrifice everything we stand for 
in the cause of bringing pain to Russia. Scott Ritter, thank you very much. Before I let you go, what are you doing and where will you be Sunday afternoon? Well, on Sunday afternoon, I hope to be in New York City. Um, there's a, uh, a rally at uh, uh, the, the, the Dog Hammersville Plaza outside of the United Nations from 1 uh, p.m. until uh, 4 p.m. Um, in support of nuclear disarmament, bringing an end to this, this arms race, this insanity. Uh, you know, the, the, the uh, Russian uh, deputy national security um, uh, advisor, um, uh, Dmitry Medvedev, former president, just just earlier this week talked about, um, you know, if he said, I don't know what's going on through NATO's head because, hey, guys, if Ukraine succeeds in doing what you want them to do, if they defeat us, if they actually drive through and take Crimea, we're going to nuke you. And there's no ifs, ands, or buts. We will nuke you. The let, world let, me, will let me stop you. Right here. I want you to tell us what you're going to say. But here's Dmitry Medvedev. Here's a full screen of what he said. Just imagine that the offensive in tandem with NATO succeeded and ended up with part of our land being taken away. Then we would have to use nuclear weapons by virtue of the stipulations of the Russian presidential decree. There simply wouldn't be any other solution. Our enemies should pray to our fighters that they do not allow the world to go up in nuclear flames. He said that four days ago. What I'm going to tell the people listening is that every night you go to bed, there is no guarantee you're going to wake up in the morning because we live in a world where there is the real possibility and we're inching towards probability of nuclear conflict between Russia and the United States. And whatever problems you have, I don't care if you're a global cli you know, climate change activist, if you're about you know, right to life, gun control, whatever your touch, you know, touch button, button issue is, it doesn't matter if you're dead. And nuclear weapons will kill us all. And we're on the cusp of thermonuclear warfare. If you don't make getting rid of nuclear arms, if you don't make getting arms control back on the foreign policy agenda of the United States, because it's not there right now. We are not engaged in meaningful arms control. We stopped doing that and we're headed towards a war. You have to make arms control, and nuclear disarmament, your number one priority because nothing else matters when you're dead. Scott Ritter, always a pleasure. Good luck Sunday. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Of course. More as we get it. Colonel McGregor tomorrow. Judge Napolitano for Judging Freedom.